It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. Well, good Monday morning. Areas of dense fog are likely across some of our hometowns this morning. We'll see overnight low temperatures on the mild side, upper 50s and low to mid 60s. And warming up today, well into the 70s, if not the lower 80s with decreasing cloud cover. And as we head toward Tuesday, much cooler temperatures waking up to overnight lows generally into the low to mid 40s. And for Election Day, we'll see highs generally into the 60s with a good deal of sunshine. And currently, we have 65 degrees in Danville. Very foggy there. Foggy in 65 in Salem and Roanoke. Mostly cloudy in 65 in Bedford. Cloudy and 67 in Lynchburg. 66 in Appomattox. And 67 in Amherst. And uh, very foggy there as well. Okay. You are there, buddy? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Story out of Italy. The captain of a charity-run migrant rescue ship refused Italy's orders to leave a Sicilian port Sunday after authorities refused to let 35 of the migrants on his ship disembark. Part of directives by Italy's new far-right-led government targeting foreign-flagged rescue ships. Italian premier, two-week-old government, is refusing safe port to four ships operating in the central Mediterranean that have rescued migrants at sea in distress, some as many as 16 days ago, and is allowing only those identified as vulnerable to disembark. On Sunday, Italy ordered the Humanity One to vacate the port after disembarking 144 rescued migrants including with children, more than 100 unaccompanied minors, and people with medical emergencies. The captain refused to comply until all survivors rescued from distress at sea had been disembarked, said SOS Humanity, a German charity that operates the ship. The vessel remained moored at the port with 35 migrants on board. Later Sunday, a second charity ship arrived at Catania, and the vetting process was being repeated with 572 migrants aboard that ship operated by Doctors Without Borders. The selection was completed by late evening with 357 allowed off, 215 people blocked on board. Families were the first to leave. One man cradling a baby expressed his gratitude as he left. Another man in a wheelchair was carried down by Red Cross workers. Yet another Two boats run by non-government organizations remained stuck at sea with no port willing to accept the people they rescued. Humanitarian groups, human rights activists, and two Italian lawmakers who traveled to Sicily protested the selection process as illegal and inhumane. Italy's new interior minister is targeting non-governmental organizations, which Italy has long accused of encouraging people trafficking in the central Mediterranean Sea. The groups deny the claim. Free all the people, one Italian lawmaker said in an emotional appeal. The passengers have faced trauma. They faced everything that we can define as prolonged suffering. Later at the port, he accused Maloney of playing politics at the expense of newborns, of women, of people who have suffered traumas of all kinds, including torture in Libyan prisons. He said neither translators or psychologists were on hand during the selection process, and many of the migrants were from Gambia, unable to speak French, English, or Italian. Their fault is to speak another language 
their fault is to have another color, he said, accusing Italy of using the migrants to distract from other issues, including high energy prices. Does all of this sound familiar? I mean, you could just take that out and put in, I mean, well, other than the part for them vetting people, uh, you could put in America there. Both SOS Humanity and Doctors Without Borders issued statements declaring that all of their passengers were vulnerable after being rescued at sea and deserving of a safe port under international law. They say it plans to file a civil case in uh, Cantonia to ensure that all 35 survivors on board have access to asylum procedures on land. It is amazing that, I mean, we are just seeing this all over the world. It's not just in America. Not at all. Well, there's a new book out about the royals. We've been talking a lot about President Trump today and how he's kind of upset some people over his comments about Ron DeSantis calling him Ron DeSanctimonious. He got a lot of things that that were not great press this weekend. A new book claims that King Charles, Prince William, and Prince Harry were reportedly so unhappy with former President Donald Trump's 2012 remarks about Kate Middleton that they unleashed torrents of profanity, which I'm sure didn't even sound like profanity because if you put it with an English accent, somehow it still sounds classier. I'm not sure how, but it does. Earlier this week, Newsweek reported with excerpts obtained from Christopher Anderson's upcoming royal biography, The King, The Life of Charles III, the book, which is slated for release next week here in the U.S. and in the U.K. on December 8th, explains what took place within the royal family after President Trump tweeted a disparaging remark about Kate Middleton. Actually, this would have been, he would have just been Trump because this was in 2012. In 2012, Trump tweeted about the Princess of Wales after photographs of her sunbathing topless were published in the French publication Closer. He said, Kate Middleton is great, but she shouldn't be sunbathing in the nude. She has only herself to blame, he tweeted at the time. Who wouldn't take Kate's picture and make lots of money if she does the nude sunbathing thing? Come on, Kate. I have to tell you, I'm not with Trump very often, but I would agree with that. If you're somebody that famous, you don't want to be photographed, keep your top on. Fair. Or or get behind. Well, some, yeah, I mean, it depends. Like, I've seen some people, like, they'll take, like, the back part off and, like, lay on their back. Like, right. That's... Sure. That, yeah, so, a lot of people will do that so they don't have the strap there or whatever. That's what I, I, when I first thought. a little more than that. Okay. Maybe. This was a little more revealing. I mean, you're on vacation and, like... the you think what is quote-unquote privacy then kind of i'm you don't I, have privacy when you're yeah fair point especially if you're dating or married to a prince yeah that's that's kind of silly i was gonna say i wonder if they called him we can't say the w word on it can we what they call it like that's a bad word for a person in, in britain a whore no oh w-a-c-k-e-r oh oh yeah, I don't see. They have a lot of things that are really vulgar. Because I feel like that that, that had to use like that's, vulgar here to me. That word for them is like the B word for us. Like I, that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, well, the way it, they use it, it probably is. Because if you say bloody over there, that's really bad. Yeah, 
Whereas here, it's like you're just making I'm fun just of thinking British that people. Ted, that they chanted that word a lot if you watched Ted Lasso. That's uh, what they would call Ted Lasso. Okay. Well, I and I just want to be safe. I don't know I like that it wasn't my... fair, but apparently it it really triggered them. Trump's criticism of Kate resulted in what one uh, Clarence House Butler referred to as torrents of profanity from both Prince Charles and his sons. He also alleged it wasn't the first time the royals had openly expressed ire towards Mr. Trump. Pretends to be shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Trump's comments about Princess Diana were also not well received. It didn't help that Trump had aggressively pursued Princess Diana after her divorce. He's what? A, he's a smart guy. Overtures that were rebuffed and claimed later on a radio program he could have, quote, nailed her if I wanted to. Wow. He is not getting good press. <laughs> how, how, like, some days, like, policy or not policy enough, like, there are some days I sit there in my head and I'm like, just because of the things he said, how did he even make it, like, to a primary? Like, how? I know. Especially, I mean, that is so tacky. Like, it's the, a really tacky That dude's got to be the most say. bulletproof person ever. Ever so, so uh, well, I never knew. I didn't know he pursued Diana. I had no idea. Uh, somehow, I wonder I if that's that going to make the, the crown. Oh my lord! Years later, the royals also apparently tried to discourage a planned visit by Mr. Trump to the UK. The book claims Makes that sense. King Charles and his two sons burned up the phone lines between Clarence House and Kensington Palace with all three princes agreeing to work behind the scenes to discourage a Trump visit. Throughout 2017 and into 18, Britons seemed nearly as fascinated with the tweet-storming Trump as their American cousins, the royal family no exception. At every opportunity, including Prince Harry's wedding reception, Charles took his wealthy and influential American friends aside and gently prodded them for information. It was important that he not push too hard or too far, as some of the donors to his charity, including those with the deepest pockets, were Trump supporters. Still, when lent a receptive ear, Charles asked on several occasions how likely it was that Trump would be impeached. Trump seems to be detached from reality, doesn't he? He asked a former Washington official who now headed up a major U.S. conglomerate. What a ghastly, awful man. <laughs> wow. All righty then. I, I didn't know. I, I, I really might have to read that book. It might be quite interesting. I think it might have to happen. Hey, we're going to go to break. We will be back. Hope you're having a great Monday. So far, uh, we've got pretty nice weather uh, as far as temperatures go. Kind of unseasonably warm. It is a little foggy, so use extra caution as you're out this morning. And hope you enjoyed that extra hour in. I know I did. fire up the coffee maker turn on the morning jam so last week we were talking about the most dangerous cities in Virginia. And I, I got some pushback from some listeners who thought 
it was crazy that Danville wasn't on that particular list, but it wasn't. Uh, now there we there was another one that took in t- some different aspects of uh, you know factored in some different things, and it was I think in the top ten of that list. Um, but you know I I don't do the surveys; I just share them with you. Uh, now I thought, in the interest of fairness, I would bring you Virginia's safest cities. Of course, the Commonwealth has a lot of cities and towns, and and each one has some unique characters and personalities. But we wanted to know, because we were talking about the negative parts, I wanted to know, where do we stack up when it comes to safety? So this is what this takes into consideration. Uh, They use FBI uniform crime reporting stats, reports on violent crime and property crime. The UCR subdivides its major categories into murder, rape, robbery, assault, Berkeley theft, and vehicle theft. And in addition, they utilize other sources to develop the list of Virginia's safest cities, and that's with the lowest violent or property crime rates. So um, this is the list, and it's just in, in order of, it's in alphabetical order. So Abingdon made the list. Bedford made the list. Well done, Bedford. We also have Berryville on the list. Blacksburg. Woo! Bridgewater. Broadway. And Buena Vista. So all of those made the safest cities in Virginia list. Also on the list, Charlottesville. So so far it's College Town. A little bit. Well, we got uh-huh. Blacksburg, College Town. Yeah. Bridgewater, College Town. Charlottesville, yeah. College Town. Yep. Yeah. Guessing Harrisonburg, Harrisonburg on the list. Harrisonburg is on the list. College Town. We're not there yet. Culpeper oh. is on the list. Dumfries is on the list. Fairfax City, Falls Church, Glasgow, Hampton made the list. Another College Town. Harrisonburg, as you mentioned, on the list. Herndon, Lacrosse, Leesburg, another College Town, Lexington, Manassas Park, uh, Oquaquan. Pocahontas, Pocosin, so that's your areas up near Virginia Beach, Percival, Radford, another college town, Smithfield, Strasburg, Vienna, Virginia Beach, really? Cue the I Know Your Lie, Your Lips Are Moving song. I do not believe Virginia Beach is one of the safest cities in America. I am sorry. I cry BS on that one. Warrington and Williamsburg. College town. Well, Williamsburg is a little mixed both, but I want. I wonder. It's, Virginia Beach. I'm still hung up on Virginia Beach. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I was going to say I think the college towns because there's basically two police forces that run the town. Because you have the college police that are on campus, and then you have Blacksburg police. Well, maybe, are, but Lynchburg's a college town. We've got three, three. colleges. Yeah. So we. It's <laughs> a fair point. We didn't make we we're like above but, the below and below the do, upper. We didn't make. I don't think one. there's campus police for two of the colleges because I think Liberty has campus police. But oh I, yeah, they do. But I don't know if Lynchburg College and Randolph. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Eight six six nine one six three seven seven six. Do you think this is an accurate list? I don't know. It says in general, the safest cities in Virginia have lower crime rates, more police officers per capita, and higher levels of community engagement. And interestingly enough, there's only sometimes a direct correlation between crime rates and police presence. This could be due to poverty, usually, or lack of social services. 
Many factors can contribute, including uh, the crime rates. Lower crime rates will make it safer. Police presence, community engagement, as I said. Um, I just, I don't know. Angela texted in, said, My best friend went to school at Oxford when she first arrived and went to a bar that was playing 50s music. She had a couple of pints and asked a guy. <laughs> this is a reference to the the words that are confused in England as opposed to here. She asked the guy if he wanted to shag. Nice. He was very happily surprised and grabbed her hand. She was very unhappily surprised when they passed the dance floor and he was trying to get her to go out the front door. It all ended in laughter, but it could have gone a very different way. Learn the language before moving people. Learn the language. My guy. Yes, Angela. My guy was excited. Yes. She's like, <laughs> he's like, what? Yes. yes. Okay, let's go. Absolutely. I need to pay my tab. And then he's out the door. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. That's pretty funny. Thank you for that, Angela. I, ne- I needed that. Uh, Dale said, clearly the safest town is Huddleston. <laughs> well, and that's great. I, I feel like my, I don't, I'm not even in a town. I'm just in a field. So. We'll call it Janetville. Oh, yeah. It's not really a town. I just, I can't believe that Virginia Beach, maybe I'm giving Virginia Beach a bad name. I don't, I don't mean to do that. I'm just a little surprised that they made the list. Just like y'all were surprised last week that Danville didn't make the other list. But that one does surprise me just a little little bit. But, I mean, good for them if that's the, the case. So, this Carrie Lake has been in the news a lot. Um, Arizona GOP gubernatorial candidate reacted Sunday, yesterday, to her campaign headquarters receiving suspicious items in the mail. She says they're going to track down the person responsible. Staffers were reportedly exposed to a white powdery substance found in packages that were sent to her office. While speaking with reporters after a campaign event, Lake was asked about the packages and the health of the staffers who were exposed. She said, I've been so busy campaigning, I wasn't even in the office One of our wonderful staffers, a couple of them, were actually exposed. So far, they're okay. We're monitoring them. We want to make sure that everything's all right. Lake explained that the substance was originally going to be sent to Quantico, but they chose a lab closer, so we're waiting to hear back what it was. The former TV news anchor explained it was not the first incident in which her campaign has been targeted. She said, listen, this is is dangerous times. It's not the first time. We've been threatened. We've been threatened many times. Our tires have been slashed. We've had screws drilled into our tires so that our tires would blow out while we're on the road. Uh, We are living in a dangerous time, and that's why we need to elect somebody who's going to be strong and a fighter and not a coward. We will get to the bottom of this. I really don't want to get too far ahead of it. The Phoenix Police Department previously said that officers responded to a found property call at an office building. When they arrived, they learned that it was suspicious items in the mail and there haven't been any reports of injuries yet. Um, Lee Zeldin, GOP uh, representative, was attacked at a campaign event in July. We remember that. A man wielding a sharp object. Of course, 
uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, was hospitalized. That was a very strange. That whole thing is just really odd. I don't know what's going on with that one. I mean, Paul Pelosi answered the door when the police came and then went back towards the the invader. Uh, that That's just hopefully we'll get some more details on that. And then we also had uh, Arizona Democrat gubernatorial candidate Katie Hobbs. Her campaign headquarters was broken into last week. So uh, Lake, who is a vocal critic of mainstream press, attributed the rise in political polarization to the media during her remarks to reporters on Sunday night. She said, we're in such polarized time. This is one of the reasons I walked away from the fake news media because I realized that the media is a huge part of the problem, pitting people against one another. You guys want us like this? I believe that Americans and Arizonians are much more aligned on the issues than you want us to believe. I think that too. So we will see how that shapes up, but I think she's absolutely right. We're going to take a look at the uh, local headlines uh, coming up in just a little bit. We've got Niecy Payne on the way. She'll talk about Craig County Schools. They're going to be closed for a, a couple of days, looks like. They just don't have the staff that they need. Uh, that's been a high number of staff is out with illnesses and so she'll talk about that. Lynchburg police investigating a malicious wounding that occurred Saturday night. And then all the talk about Election Day. It's almost here. We are just hours away at this point. Thanks so much for joining us this morning on The Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. You're listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. Well, good Monday morning. Areas of dense fog are likely across some of our hometowns this morning. We'll see overnight low temperatures on the mild side, upper 50s and low to mid 60s. And warming up today, well into the 70s, if not the lower 80s with decreasing cloud cover. And as we head toward Tuesday, much cooler temperatures waking up to overnight lows generally into the low to mid 40s. And for election day, we'll see highs generally into the 60s with a good deal of sunshine. And currently, we have temperatures in the 60s, 67 in uh, Amherst. We have 66 in Cloudy and Appomattox, 66 in Danville, 65 in Salem and Roanoke, and uh, still some a little lingering fog there, 67 in Bedford, 68 in Lynchburg. Daylight savings time is no more, and I'm pretty excited about it. No more daylight savings time. <sighs> All right. We have a, a rare election eclipse. wonder if that's something biblical. Election Day on Tuesday is going to be one for the record books. According to data scientists, it's one of the first total lunar eclipse to occur on Election Day as we know it. It's something that won't happen again until 2394. 
Everyone from coast to coast across the U.S. will have an opportunity to see a total lunar eclipse that occurs in the early morning hours on Tuesday. The eclipse is expected to begin around 3 in the morning, and it will last for several hours, reaching totality at about 5.59. So we will definitely see it. The next total lunar eclipse visible across the U.S. will not be until March 14th, 2025, although you will see partial ones. So guys, you got to get up and see that. Well, you got to get up early anyway because of Election Day. So I think that's pretty cool. A lunar eclipse happens on a full moon when the path of the moon's orbit uh, takes it into the Earth's shadow, shielding it from the sun. During a lunar eclipse, the moon, sun, and Earth stand in line with the Earth in the middle, causing our planet's shadow to be cast upon the moon. Mm. I love stuff like that. And my kids always loved it. So we would make it a point to, um, you know, when we had something like that. Even even my youngest, who did not want to get out of bed like ever, would get up for something like that. But he's always been kind of a nerd in that way. Uh, Dollar General Assistant Manager has a video that's gone viral. You know, Dollar General seemed like they they pop up everywhere. When we were driving to the beach, we would be in the middle of absolutely nothing. And then all of a sudden, it would pop up in a field. Somebody sprinkled the Dollar General dust, and there it uh, popped up. I'll continue with this. Right now, we've got a caller. The old rocker. Hi. How you doing this morning? Uh, good morning. I'm weighing in on a couple of things here. Okay. Back in 1954, uh, there was a total solar eclipse in my area. Mm-hmm. Well, it was cloudy that day, and we didn't have the radio on or anything about it. At any rate, it got dark at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, really dark. And people were <laughs> people were uh, going to church and repenting, and oh, wow. <laughs> everybody thought it was the end of the world because <laughs> it was like night at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Anyway, a lunar eclipse isn't as big of a thing, but it is a pretty thing. It's, it it is. It's beautiful, yeah. But can you imagine? I mean, if you put yourself in the place of people before... Before there was any radio, television, uh, you know, newspapers came out maybe once, what, a month at, at one time, if if then. And nobody knew. And even before that, nobody knew what these things were. And a lot of times they really did think that we were trying, maybe somebody was sending us a message. And maybe, maybe he still is. I don't know. It's ironic that it's on well, election day, isn't it? And it's going to be red. Well, the moon will be red uh, <laughs> yeah. during the lunar eclipse, and that's everybody's. Uh, that's the cue for everybody to vote red, <laughs> Republican. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is a message. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to be voting. I just want to say I'm going to be voting for Bob Good. I think he is good for Virginia and for America, and I'm going to vote for the three Republican candidates: uh, Marty, Stephanie, and Larry. It's uh, right on the top on the right. Uh, the three of them are re- the Republicans running for city council. We can clean up this uh, mess in the city. Um, I wanted to mention you were you did a really great interview with me and Larry on uh, when Surviving Georgie came out. Yeah, and uh, a magazine called American Essence, which is my favorite magazine, is put up by Epic Times. And uh, sells, I don't know, about a million copies a month. They're going to run one of the stories from Surviving Georgie 
uh, in their December issue. Oh, how fun. Uh, they asked about running other stories, and, and uh, uh, so it looks as though, you know, after my agent died, it's sort of, I just let the project die. Oh. But now, now maybe I'll uh, let it revive again and, and uh, run with it. I don't know, but uh, a million people will be reading uh, from Surviving Georgie. It, it is uh, a, a classic issue. take on Americana. There's no doubt about that. Well, that's what it is. It's, yeah. a, it's a history book. Right. But as uh, the girl from Saturday Night Live said, maybe one of the funniest books ever in print. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's pretty a history funny. Book as well. <laughs> anyway, tomorrow, just remember, Republican candidates aren't uh, aren't perfect, but the Democrat candidates are insane. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's your motto, and you're sticking to it. You have a great day. You too. Thanks thanks for calling in. Appreciate that. (laughs) Gee, you don't have to wonder where he stands, do you? You know exactly where he is. All right, so back to to the story that we were talking about, uh, about Dollar Generals. They have literally shown up everywhere around the country, and a lot of people seem to be shopping there more, especially with the economy the way it is now. But according to this viral video that has gone out um they're saying that the working conditions are not great and that the stores are completely overwhelmed and they have grown very very quickly it would seem um they're saying in the video it showed just aisles filled with merchandise that hadn't been stocked uh the tiktok user's name was travis bennett Uh, He said there were numerous crates that weren't unpacked. He says that's typical for most Dollar General stores across the country. And he says it's not uncommon to see a Dollar General store with just one employee. Shopping floors buried under boxes of packed stock. Saturated delivery trucks with unsorted goods. And the complaints got so bad that a former Dollar General employee named Mary Gundle started a movement to address employees' complaints. And this movement, per the New York Times, is called hashtag put in a ticket, a sarcastic reference to Dollar General's manager's methods of redress when they have complaints against the company. Just put in a ticket. I think a lot of people are used to, to hearing that, depending on how the business where you work is run. Got to put a ticket in. Can't fix anything unless you put a ticket in. The New York Times article referenced how a Dollar General employee uh, went public on TikTok and from the New York Times article. So on the morning of March 28th, in between running the register and putting tags on clothing, Miss Gundle, 33, propped her iPhone and hit record. The result was a six-part critique, retail store manager life, in which she laid bare the working conditions inside the fast-growing retail chain, with stores that are are a common sight, especially in rural areas. Me talking out um, about how this is actually kind of bad, technically I could get into a lot of trouble, but whatever happens, happens. Something needs to be said. There needs to be changes. They're probably going to end up losing a lot of people. So, as the Daily.com article suggests, one of the prime reasons for the current well-publicized operational issues has been the company's continued runaway success, as in they are overwhelmingly profitable in the midst of chaos. Um, These challenges are not being 
consistently address because of the bottom line. I will say the the Dollar General we go to, it, by and large, is in pretty good shape. They they do a good job, although many times they will have things in the aisle and there there doesn't seem to be enough people working there. But are they growing faster than they should? Maybe. I mean, maybe that's that's part of it. And they are in rural areas, so maybe they don't have as many options for people who are who are working there. I don't know. It could slow them down, though. We'll have to see how that shakes out, won't we? It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on the Morning Jam. Give her five minutes, and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. Five and Dine is brought to you by our friends at FNL Market, where they are busy cutting and grinding fresh meats every single day and working hard to keep their prices low so you can keep your food bill firmly in check. So today's uh, recipe is featuring FNL Market's in-house created sausages because they're so delicious. Uh, this is fantastic as an appetizer. Uh, you could even make little mini versions if you wanted to. But quite honestly, it's super delicious uh, just as, as its own meal. You're going to start with a package of 8-ounce refrigerated puff pastry dough. Preheat your oven to 425. Roll out that uh, pastry dough on a floured surface into about a 13-inch wide circle. And then you're going to press it into an 11-inch tart pan. Place a piece of foil sprayed with non-stick cooking spray over the dough. Fill it with either dried beans or pie beads if you have them. That's just going to help keep it from puffing up too much. Bake it 8 to 10 minutes until it's golden brown. Meanwhile, you're going to cook your Italian sausage in a large skillet over moderately high heat. Break it up as it goes until the sausage is no longer pink. Drain it well. Transfer the sausage uh, into a bowl. And then you're going to add in two large tomatoes diced, two tablespoons of chopped fresh basil, a clove of garlic minced, two tablespoons of shredded Parmesan cheese, a fourth of a cup of shredded cheddar cheese, and, uh, and then you're going to toss that all together and put that into your bake shell. Then you're going to, um, then you're going to add in, in a separate bowl, three tablespoons of milk, two eggs, a half a cup of heavy cream, some salt and black pepper. Pour that over top and then put it in the oven, bake it for about 15 minutes and, uh, and then uh, turn it down and bake it another 12 minutes. You want to see the complete instructions? Just go to Facebook, type in Janet's Five and Dine. You'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share. Brought to you by our friends at FNL Market, where their meats are a cut above. Before you fire up the coffee maker, turn on the morning jam. I come from a long line of Southern cooks, and one thing my mama always told me was ingredients matter. That's why I trust the experienced butchers at FNL Market, Lynchburg's only locally and family-owned independent grocery store. Their staff cuts and grinds fresh meats daily and will offer you the personal service you desire for everyday meals or special occasions. This week at FNL, save on smoked ham portion shank or butts, $1.48 a pound. Top round London broils are $3.98 a pound. Save on family pack top round steaks, $4.98 a pound. And family pack cube steak or stew beef, $5.98 a pound. You can also save on West Coast oysters, $7.98 for an 8-ounce container. Sign up to be a VIP Savings Club member. Text FL Market to 833-605-1804. 
Stop by FNL Market today, 2517 Memorial Avenue, Lynchburg. Their meat is a cut above. The Morning Jam with Janet on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. You know what I'm a chicken fried. Well, there's a lot of people, apparently, that like their chicken fried. Popeyes is celebrating National Fried Chicken Sandwich Day for an entire week, evidently. If you got a... I didn't even know you were going to do that headline. A, a Popeyes near you. Uh, customers can snag a free chicken sandwich with the purchase of a chicken sandwich combo. And that's going to be available until November 9th. And you can get classic or spicy. It's a good chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. You can only access the deal through the app, though, or at Popeyes.com. So if you're into that, then that's what I recommend. So yesterday, I got to uh, be a judge at the charity chili cook-off at Lushu in Amherst. They had a fantastic turnout, thanks to everybody who uh, showed up. And it was it was a really fun time. Uh, I was a little concerned because we had some rain yesterday. But, I mean, they had folks lined up on the sidewalk they had people inside i think they had 18 total um chilies and almost all of them were really good almost well i would say there were only three that were just okay and the rest of them were very i mean it was difficult to uh what i thought you were about to say one was bad no no i mean we had isn't it gordon ramsey's birthday right yes so i was like (laughs) i thought you were about where's the sauce where is the sauce i thought you were about to break out your inner gordon ramsey i will tell you though and and i can be i can be very blunt about things especially if they're asking me to judge something i know but i felt so bad if it wasn't one that I enjoyed when I would, because you, you judged it on a scale of one to five, mm-hmm. and there were some ones. And every time I put it down, I felt like I was, I don't know, like a puppy was going to die every yeah, time I put it down. Yeah, honestly, like... It was, uh, it was very difficult. It, it was all... Was it anonymous? Like, they wouldn't know you... It was completely blind. Okay. We didn't know whose chili was whose. We, I mean, so there was no way we could vote. Because I did know some of the folks that were See, I think that's the cooking. only way you can do it, especially if you know the people. Because like, I'd be way. so scared to give someone a bad, like... And there were and there were several judges, too. So that that helped. Um, but the, the winning one was so... They all... Because you had to go by, you you smelled them, and so you went by consistency, you went by the aroma, you went by it had texture, yeah, that you all that you judged in, and you you check the aroma first, and they all were so different, and then some had no scent at all, which I don't even know how that's possible with chili, but it was, um, but the winning contributor they called it a uh, cheeseburger chili was what Ooh. they called it. And I'm telling you, that thing was flat out amazing. It was so, so good. Spicy? It, it had some heat to it, but it wasn't like overwhelmingly spicy. They did take, they did start with like dried anchos and um, another dried chili. And they rehydrated them in broth. And mm. then they pureed them. And I think that helped make like a ton of flavor. And they also had some queso in it. And the chili. That sounds really good. And then they had um, like a thick cut bacon, which gave yep. it a smoky. See, it if you put bacon smoky. in it, I might just vote. I'll give it a five. Well, I, 
but you know what? When I saw the bacon, I was like, uh, eh, I don't know about this. I need. I could put, put bacon in anything. It was uh, undeniably the winner. It was amazing. It was. It was so so good. And and it was different. It was really different. So then I was able to go around and talk to everybody and and find out, you know, how they did, what they did. But um, yeah, that one was when they told me it was a. They called it a cheeseburger chili. I was like, what? That Are sounds, you talking about? That sounds good. I know it's almost nine o'clock, and I haven't had breakfast yet. So, you're, are you going to have uh, chili for breakfast? <laughs> no, but <laughs> well, it was it was an awful lot of fun. They do this every year, and I think they I think they do one at the Appomattox version as well. But the cool thing was all the money that they raised. Whoever won the cheeseburger chili guy, all the money that he raised went to whatever his charity was that he was cooking for. So that That's was kind of awesome. cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really neat. Uh, here's a fun story. There is a one-eared dog named Van Gogh. Nice. Well, you know, uh, channeling his namesake, he uses his tongue to create works of art at a Connecticut rescue. He's a seven-year-old boxer pity mix. Is it... Rescued from North Carolina. Does he have a brush in his tongue or does he like use his tongue to paint? He uses his tongue. Um, he was rescued from a dog fighting ring. Aw, bless his heart. Jacqueline Gardner, the founder of the rescue group, said she taught Van Gogh to paint with his tongue by putting paint and canvas into a plastic bag coated with peanut butter. <laughs> Wait, so like he ingests <laughs> this paint? Like, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm reading on. Okay. Uh, the rescue held a gallery show, but only two people came to see his artwork. His paintings have since gone viral leading to about 30 of his works being sold for $40 each to benefit the rescue. He's now getting adoption interest from all over the world. They're working on potential adoption for the special superstar, so stay tuned. I don't I don't know. I, I need to watch him to see what it looks like when he's doing his, his painting, because that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, because I feel like it, you're in, right, it I don't have a brush element to it. Well, it, oh, okay. So, the paint is underneath the, the bag, and they lay that over it, and then they put the peanut butter on it, and then he makes his art that oh, way. Oh, okay. So, it's like, okay. Okay. I'm still a little that confused, makes, but That makes I sense. My dogs could be artists, too. Except Rogan would eat the whole bag, so that probably wouldn't work. But my littles could be. They could. Oh, maybe I'll have... Maybe I'll have Van what Baxter. I was going to say is uh, <laughs> maybe you, you Baxter Van Gogh. You, uh, you tell Mark uh, why he sidelined. Hey, start researching how to train dogs how to paint. Right, <laughs> that could happen. I, I think that would be Sorry, a, buddy. a fun thing. Uh, wallabies on the loose in Michigan County. I'm not sure how that happened. That's not probably not something they see a lot there. They're asking the public to be on the lookout for a loose wallaby in Monroe County. That would be the best day ever. If I just saw a wallaby running around, I would be so happy. The Monroe County Sheriff's Office said in the news release that the wallaby has been seen wandering loose in recent days in Bedford Township. The release said the Sheriff's Office consulted with the U.S. Department of Agriculture in order to determine any risk to public health that may result from the animal roaming freely in the community. They say they're happy to announce the USDA has informed us the wallaby is not a threat to the public safety but wait a minute aren't wallabies like is isn't that like a different just a name for a kangaroo 
they can kick your butt. I've seen videos. That could be very dangerous. Do not approach the wallaby. I don't recommend that. You need to just call the people and let them come and get them. Approaching the wild wallaby. Don't approach the wallaby. All right, guys. Tomorrow is Tuesday. That means come to the table Tuesday. You need to put in your name and the name of your uh, the place where you work because you could win up to 10 box lunches courtesy of Honey Baked Ham on the Candler's Mountain Road uh, and Harvest Baptist Church where it's time to be kind. All you have to do, you can do it right now, is text us at 434-248-0704. Just put, come to the table Tuesday, your name, your place of business, and your email. So come to the table Tuesday, your name, your place of business, and your email. And who knows, tomorrow we may be drawing out your name for Come to the Table Tuesday. We do this every Tuesday here on the Morning Jam. And if we ever need to be kind, it's going to be tomorrow for Election Day. We'll have uh, several calls in from several polls tomorrow, keeping us updated on how active they are. I hope you have your plans in place to, uh, to vote for sure. And we'll be back tomorrow and we'll spend time with you then. Thanks so much for listening to the Morning Jam. Listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.3 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA FM Greta Danville.